Welcome to another session of Things That Matter. A major issue that many seniors face today is isolation. To help address this issue, the nonprofit organization Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly organizes monthly visits to the elderly where volunteers sit and chat with them, giving them a voice and a listening ear. On one of these visits, I interviewed two seniors, Ms. Noreen and Ms. Valdora, who live in the same building. Their personal stories reflect their joys and specific challenges that they and other seniors face. Let's listen to what Ms. Noreen and Ms. Valdora shared with me about their lives. Ms. Noreen, um, what did you do for a living? I worked as a school aide in a public school, PS138 in Crown Heights, for 30 years. I... Oh, I did a little bit of everything in there. I ordered supplies, the kids, I did lunch forms, I did lunch duty, taught them the Pledge of Allegiance, um, sing it, lift every voice, uh, played. I did a lot of things, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot. Ordered supplies, made copies, copies, copies. And I disciplined them when they needed discipline. Do you have any um, views about how school was during your time when you were school aide and at present? Oh, you mean, okay. I go by my school where I used to work every once in a blue moon. Because most of the kids, I've been gone now for going on six years. I retired. Um, You know, one of the main things is that you can't talk to some of these children. Some of them you can. They listen, and there's some that I don't know. I really don't know. They just want to be so disrespectful and everything. You try to talk to them, because I always try to talk to them. Always. I was going to say, come over here, please. What, what, are you do- what are you doing? What are you doing? It's so, It's so very difficult, because then you have... You can ask Val, I can, we can go, I don't care where her and I go, we can go to Long Island, we can go, no, not really Long Island, but we can go like in different parts of Brooklyn, and I will always see one of my babies. I call the children that went to my school my babies. And um, there's one that worked in Macy's downtown. We saw one the first time we went to ShopRite out here in, where's that, where's, the, where's ShopRite at? In, um, oh God, Spring Creek. The young lady came right by us. We was by the deli section. She looked and she said, Miss Ringler? And I went, oh my goodness. I said, 138. The young lady only went there for two years, kindergarten and first grade. She was grown, but she remembered me. Lauren Taylor? Yep, Lauren Taylor. Here come my boys, two of my students. Two of my babies, twins. Looking, going in there to get something for their mother for... Um, mother's Day. When they saw me, they stopped, they hugged, they kissed me, asked them what they were doing. They said they work and they in college. It makes you very proud. Then we have the ones that are little, mm-mm, but I still see them. They still treat me with respect. Either they call me auntie, auntie, call me ma, or they call me Miss Ringler. Or some of them say Miss Noreen. But um, 
it's so very difficult because some some of them you can you can really you can really help them because they used to always throw this little boy at me. When I meant throw him, I don't mean literally throw him at me, but um, he had a very bad problem. Temper. I had a couple of them. They, I don't know why I ended up with them, but I was the one that could calm them down. And I used to just hold them and say, stop, stop, stop. Come on, let's count, count with me. Come on, please count with me. One, we would count from one up to 20. And I said, come on, breathe, baby, breathe. Breathe, baby, breathe. I said, now tell me what happened. Now, I'm not saying that they were always wrong because they wasn't because sometimes it wasn't their fault. But like I used to tell them, you have the reputation of going off. And I keep telling you, when you act like this, right away they're going to say, oh, that's so-and-so, you know how he is. I keep telling you that you have to change your attitude, baby, really do. And some of them take a long time, and sometimes if they get grown, like they they okay. Or if they leave the school and go to a different school, the mother said, oh, he's doing so much better. Or she's doing so much better. But you have to be careful how you treat these kids. Because some of the mothers are just as crazy as the kids. Miss Valdera, what about you? What did you do for a living? I worked for a pharmaceutical company that named uh, NMC Lamps in East New York. I worked there for 25 years. And I went to a, a pharmaceutical company in Glendale. I worked there for 16 years. And my last job was at Pfizer. I was there for 10 years in Brooklyn. I was a machine operator. I worked in the labor room where you stamp the labors, and I was a packer. Now, uh, two days ago, mm-hmm. we celebrated Valentine's Day. Yeah. You know, people shared gifts yeah. and flowers and mm-hmm. chocolates with people who they loved. So my question is, during your lifetime, did you meet the love of your life? Yeah, I suppose so. He was the love of my life, yes. Tell us a bit about it, Miss Noreen. Oh, gee, I can't go back that far. You know, my kid's father, because he's been dead a long time. Um, I don't know. I was a child. I was a teenager. Met Tyrone, fell in love. We had two beautiful boys. And then he passed away. And I met somebody else, and we were together for a while. But Tyrone was the love of your life. That was my heart. Why was he the love of your life? I don't know, because I don't know. Because we were young, I guess. I don't know. He always was. I didn't have no more babies after that. Nope. Valdora, what about you? Have you met the love of your life during your lifetime? Yes. I met the love of my life in the in the 60s. I, I would say like 69. And we were together quite a few years. And he passed away. And I haven't met no one else that I could felt like I could trust. So that's why he was the love of your life, because you were able to trust him? Yes. When you think about your life, what is something that you're most proud of? My children and my grandchildren. Why is that? Because those are my hearts and my great-grands. I just became a great-grandmother. She'll be three years old. I'm a great-grandmother. I'm blessed. I am truly blessed. My children, my grandchildren, my great-grands. Mine... It's my family. I came from a big family, uh, sisters and brothers, and my mother and father deceased. 
and uh, and my children, and good health that I'm very, very proud of at my age. Who would you say um, provide the most love and support for you at this at this point in time in your life? Now, well, let's say first during your lifetime, oh, during, during the earlier like your earlier days, and like now. Uh, love and support. Let's see, my daddy, and now my sister and this young lady right here next to me. We support each other. We might fuss and argue. But better nobody else better not get involved. You better stay away from me. <laughs> right, Val? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we have a yeah, yeah, we help each other. Love and support my my family, my friends, and Noreen is my helper. And her sister Sherry. And Laverne, a good friend of mine from the nineteen sixties. What is um one of the most important lessons that you have learned during your lifetime? Hmm, that's hard in a way. One of the most important lessons that I've learned that you can't take nothing for granted. Um, you can't let situations get the best of you, even though sometimes you wanted to. Um, I'm speaking from experience. I was like about 27, and... I lost my husband one week, and I lost my daddy the next. And I wound up with not two children. I wound up with four children because I have a younger brother and sister. So I wound up with four children at a very, you know, and I came a long way. (laughs) I mean, I've had my ups and downs now, but that was a very, very testing year. Yeah, that 77 and 78, yeah, very testing. I didn't think I was going to make it, but. With that man's help upstairs, I did. Love and support was, <laughs> when I was younger, my my parents taught me to go to church and be nice to people and to know how to talk and treat people. And that's what I try to live up to today. I, I like to cook for different occasions and and I give a lot away when I cook. I feed a lot of people, and they enjoy it. <laughs> How would you say that people in New York City treat the elderly, based on your experience? I don't know that's hard to say, because some people, I don't think they treat the elderly the way they should. I think there should be more housing for the elderly, um, cause that's what I'm trying to get into now, okay? Because I have a sciatica and it's hard for me to be going up and down the stairs. But I do it, I do it, I do it, I do it. But every time I call for a place, no applications. It's filled up. Even a brand new place that hasn't even opened up yet. And you look in the paper, you don't see it. So what's going on here? You know, and uh, I feel for a lot of people that I think a lot of the elderly are not as... I'm not really well off, but I thank the God, God upstairs that I can survive. Because you hear a lot of people, elderly people eating dog food or cat food or, 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 or they're struggling real hard. I've had my days now, you know, but um, it's very hard here. It's hard. Well, I, I don't feel like it's very hard. It's what you make of it. And towards treating the elder, 
I haven't been, I haven't been uh, eye impaired for that long, so I was a- always able to go out and do what I wanted to do and help others. So I, I think it was, I think New York been pretty good. I've been here, I'm out of, I've been here since 1955. I'm from the South. You mentioned eye impaired. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Is this uh, something, an accident that caused your eye impairment? Is it just a health-related? Yes, it's a health-related problem. You want me to explain it? I, I, was, I was very healthy. One Sunday, I took a long walk. I walked from um, King's. I walked from the hospital down on um, Utica Avenue to Park Place, and that's Monday morning. I got up. I couldn't move my body. The muscles in my body was hurting me, and I went to the doctor, and they ran tests. I, I walked with it for about a week or so, and I went to the doctor, and they ran tests, and they found out that I had. Temper arteritis of the artery and the temper. And I wasn't given the proper amount of medication. I wasn't given to it in the right way. I should have had intravenous and they gave me tablets. And it affected me. It could have it it could affect my heart, my brains, or my eyes. So it hit my eyes and it caused me to lose my vision. And one eye and one eye had an operation and, and it wasn't normal. So that's what caused me to go blind. And I've only been blind a matter of um, 10 years. But when I woke up and I could, I just saw shadows, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me that I was going blind. I, I could see enough to get to my eye doctor. And he sent me to a doctor in the city and they ran tests and they, they worked on me to try to save the little sight that I had, but it was too late. So, but I didn't give up. I came back home. They gave. Um, I went to my doctor. He gave me. He sent me to a school for Jewish Guild for the blind. I had six lessons there. They he sent a limousine to pick me up every morning, and to bring me back home. So I had six hours a day of lesson on how to take care of myself. And um, I didn't give up. I came home, and I continued to do what I was doing. I cooked. I baked. And I cleaned my own house. I even now press iron my own clothes. So I, I took care of my, I still take care of myself. So, I mean, they insisted that I needed help, but I, I feel like I don't need help. So um, it, they told me if I got help, I would have to pay $15 a day for someone to come in for four hours, and I, I don't have that kind of money. So I do for myself. And I don't think I do bad. And I manage. I didn't, I didn't let it get me down because I lost my vision. I go where I want to go. A couple of years ago, Noreen and I went to uh, Myrtle Beach for three days. Two years ago, we went to Delaware to spend the day. And uh, we traveled to Lord and Taylor, to Valley Stream. Wherever we want to go and shop, we go. So it's not a problem. Ms. Valdora, could you share with us a little bit about the experience of moving from the South to come to the North to live? Yeah. Well, I, I, came, I came to, um, to, to New York in 1955. 
because uh, there wasn't any um, there wasn't any jobs in the South for for black women. Most of the jobs in the South was for factory, and they was they was more or less the white and the blacks. They went into the homes to work, and the and the pay wasn't that great. And when I came to New York in 1955, salary here was one dollar an hour, but there was plenty of jobs and there was plenty of piecework. So you, I got my job through unemployment, and I was there for 25 years in pharmaceutical. And the boss always gave us, um, he always gave us piecework, and that made up from the dollar an hour. So we came home with a decent salary. You could always get a kitchenette, like two rooms for $15 a week, which wasn't bad. And the meals, I mean, the food here was, was cheap. Clothes was cheaper. So we managed, and it wasn't it wasn't that hard. And then... Then we start branching out. The jobs got better. The pay got better. So you move from job to job. You was able to buy. I bought my first brand new car in 1968. And I was very proud of it. I didn't want nobody to touch it. <laughs> I drove it to work every day. I kept the car for 20 years. Everybody used to always tease me about it. But, but that was my baby. And in 1987, I, I bought another car. Jobs and pay was better. I bought another one, but it wasn't new, and it lasted 20 years until I lost my vision and I got rid of it. So um, I use public transportation now, and I enjoy it. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about car insurance and all of that. <laughs> so my my life has been very good here. Um, today, you know that there is a lot of technological advances, right? You remember those days when we used to use a typewriter to type letters, but that now we are using the computers to type letters. Um, it's true that we have advanced in terms of a lot of the things that we have invented, that human beings have invented. But in your view... Would you say that humans have actually advanced in terms of how we treat each other? No, I think that back in the day we treated each other better, okay? Because every time you look, you can be walking the street and somebody on their phone, they can't even get off their phone to walk across the street or to hold a conversation. Yeah, I have a cell phone. If it rings, you've got to wait till I'm finished doing what I'm doing. Okay, we're crossing the street. I wait, right, Val? And, and when I get to the side, I'll pull over to the side, and I'll answer. I'll see who it is. Technology today, I'm not saying it's bad. Some of it is. Look what's happening with all these shootings in the schools and, oh, my God, and all this. Um, how shall I put this? I was thinking of something just a little while ago. The kids don't know how to play. They don't know how to play. They don't know how to go outside. And have a good time and just play uh, hide-and-go-seek. Uh, what was it we used to play? I used to play with the kids in the yard. I used to, you know, skip rope and do ring around the rosy and, and um, all of that. Hopscotch. What you want to call it for the kids? Boys for the kids. I, I don't want to say for the boys because once girls played it too. Skelly. Basketball, they always playing basketball. But they don't know how to play. 
my boys, I'm glad I had my boys when I had my boys, because my boys went outside and they played. And then they would come in, they would take a shower, we would have dinner, and we would all go back outside. They would be right outside, be over here sitting on my stoop with my girlfriends, and they'd be playing. And you know, they don't know how to play. They, you know, they, they'd rather be inside. And technology is real good. I'm not saying it's bad, but some of it is some of it is not that good. Some of it's not that good. And then people can buy guns wherever they want to and shoot you up. Please. Please. I we didn't even know what a gun was when I was coming up. I feel like computer is nice and smart, but it has messed up and it's still messing up the world. With the young people, I came up the hard way with pencil and paper to know how to figure out 12 times 12 or whatever multiplication I needed. I know how to do it in my head. But now the kids, it's a computer, you know, and um, I think it'll mess up the world. And um, it's a kid don't know how to address the envelope, and that's sad. They don't know how to use a pencil and paper. Very sad. But um, we have to live through it and keep moving with it. We have no other choice. Before we end this episode, is there one advice that you would like to give to the young people in the audience who are listening? Stop shooting each other and stop killing each other. Try to be nice. You know, sometimes people bump into you. You don't give somebody a chance to say, oh, excuse me. You're ready to fight and everything. Think. Try to think before you react to something. And I know it's hard. I've done it myself. Where I'm going, oh, they've lost their mind. But you have to, as I've gotten older, I've calmed down more. And um, you, you just... We need God. That's what they need. We all need God. God needs to come here. Oh, Jesus, yes. I feel like the best place when you're bringing children up to try to get them to go in the right direction is uh, to lead them to the church first and learn. let them learn the Bible and how to get along with people. That means a lot. And that's way you'll know how to treat people and use your manners when you go outside and and know how to be nice to people. And, it, and they will always get it back in return. Well, I want to thank Miss Noreen and Miss Valdora so much for taking the time to share your wisdom. And... Um, I really wish you even many, many more years. Miss Noreen, I think you, you have a birthday coming up. No, that's uh, Who's? Oh, Valdera, you have a birthday coming up. So happy birthday in advance. <laughs> and I hope you have a wonderful yes, celebration. This is your host, Dr. Adolphine. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Things That Matter. Be sure to tune in for the next episode. <laughs>